0: You're drowned by my perfect fire, my perfect line. We are the Lanky Guys.
1: And you're listening to the word, the, the word on the Hill with the Lanky Guys.
0: With the lanky On my
1: guy. left is Scott Powell. <laughs> and to my right <laughs> is, a, is
0: a... Are you making a reference to the clown song you were just singing? The
1: clown song?
0: Joke is on my left, stings on my
1: right. No, I wasn't. stuck in the middle with you, and I don't know what it is I can do. Do you not know this song? You know every song. I know that this song. This is a very famous song. I know. I by don't somebody know. who I don't know.
0: <laughs> I think, isn't it Steve the Miller Band?
1: No, it's not Steve Miller Band, is it? Steve the Miller Band? <laughs>
0: hey, it's Steve the, the Miller, Miller Band. band. <laughs> Dude, I want to go see, if I had a cover band of Steve Miller, I would I'd be the Steve the Miller Band.
1: Steve the Miller Band. That's good.
0: Yeah. Somebody was it- <laughs> who is the, somebody was telling me about um, how they uh, uh, go to see um, uh, a Neil Diamond uh, cover ne- band, band. <laughs> and how how the, they're not a really Neal allowed cover band. Yeah, they're not allowed to speak of it. It's kind of like what happens at the Neil Diamond cover band stays. At the What's Neil? the
1: first rule of Neil Diamond cover band concerts? Don't talk about don't talk the... about Neil Diamond cover band concerts. <laughs> yeah. Wait, they're not allowed to talk about being there, or the Neil Diamond cover band is not allowed to talk about being a Neil Diamond cover band. Dude,
0: I don't know. Actually, okay. I, the, these are these are questions that are left to, above my pay grade. These are profound. Thank you for saying about what my true nature is, which is profound.
1: Yes, it is profound. Well, welcome back, everybody. I hope uh, everybody got a chance to listen to our live show from Dallas, Texas last week. I kept calling it the wrong conference. It was the, <laughs> the <laughs> Focus Student Leadership Summit 2014, the SLS, not the SEAT conference, as I mistakenly said like four times. Yep. And we got some comments that it sounded like Father Peter was just talking normally and I was shouting to a thousand people. <laughs>
0: which, <laughs> so, which
1: is about the size of the
0: crowd. Yeah. I mean, g- give Massive. or take like nine hundred and sixty. yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah. No, I just did some quick math. take that. <laughs>
0: take that dude, I have a question for you i i I was talking to you before, but um, you didn't sound congested, but are you congested a little bit? Yeah, because like I I you now that you're amplified into my brain,
1: <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm no, like, I've been this way. I'm trying not to be. Oh, because I was on a, a podcast. I was being interviewed on a podcast the other day, and I was trying desperately not to sound congested, chugging my tea.
0: Dude, what podcast were you on?
1: The Archdiocese of Denver podcast. Dude, that's awesome. I was on there. Once. It won't air for another month or so. Oh, yeah, and I made fun of you for being on it. For I said you cheated on me because we're on another <laughs> podcast. And you, then,
0: you cheated on me. I know, but it's mutual. Okay, that's that good. Makes I, it okay. Yeah, uh, no, it doesn't. But it the, won't um, air
1: till February, so don't. Uh, yeah. But shout out to those guys if you don't listen to the Archdiocese of Denver podcast. It's really fun. Greg Willett, Karna Swanson, they interview people around the archdiocese who are doing profound things. And it's a, it's a great thing.
0: It really is. So check out the Archdiocese of Denver, Colorado thing. Hey, and I know Karna
1: and Greg are both faithful listeners. It's actually funny. Greg was saying that they listen to uh, our podcast on Sunday mornings in the van as they go to mass because they want to engage the whole family, and they usually get to mass just as we're getting around to the readings, (laughs) 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 or maybe to the gospel. I'm not sure. Dude, that's awesome.
0: And today the uh, bishop, uh, they have a new bishop appointed to the Pueblo diocese. Was there? Yeah, yeah. I didn't hear about that yet. It's from from Fort Worth, which where we were just in
1: the diocese. Shout out to the diocese of Fort Fort Worth, Worth. (laughs)
0: which is. (laughs) <laughs> Did uh, you burped? <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to be cool about it. Yeah, but that was unbelievable. So, and it turns out that um, that uh, the, the Fort Worth diocese, like yeah. in 1990, had 350 thousand people. Whoa! Now it has two million. Whoa! Catholics, Whoa. dude. I know it's that's ridiculous. They're like,
1: dude. It's like Catholic Disneyland down Catholic there, man. Catholic Disneyland. Wow. Well, here's to you guys. If you're if you're listening in the diocese of Fort Worth. Um, sorry that you lost sorry your for all General. the elbow room <laughs> you don't have any space because there's too many of you yeah there's not too many of you there's just lots of you which well, praise be to God for
0: the you. diocese is uh, when I was looking at whispers in the logia, it says the, li- the diocese is the same size as the Republic of Ireland wow
1: yeah that's incredible that's I know
0: a, you guys are big well you know Colorado is the size of Germany
1: is it yeah, yeah. you mean population wise or what no uh, it's square miles <laughs> they go they use kilometers there Father Peter Square kilometers. Square kilometers. All right, we should get get into into this. (laughs) (laughs) Jinx, you got to buy me a Coke. Okay. I don't drink Coke. Okay. Second (laughs) Sunday in Ordinary Time, which is ironic because... okay. No, we don't have to deal with this again. I am always a little confused (laughs) because is the baptism of the Lord the first Sunday of ordinary time or is it the last Sunday of Christmas
0: it's neither dude it exists in a, in a polar vortex but
1: then how is it the second Sunday of ordinary time that implies that there had to have been a first Sunday of ordinary and time t-
0: Monday is the first day in ordinary time that there's
1: no Sunday so if you go so to the start this of be anything... the second Sunday That would be the first Sunday times are hard man <laughs> alright <laughs> the, the liturgical well, for whatever, vortex for whatever reason we are in the second Sunday of ordinary time this week and we're going to be looking at the book of Isaiah we've been in Isaiah for a while well, now it's,
0: it's kind of like the days of ordinary time that, ordinary got, that time. we lost because
1: we actually kept track of them and we
0: did the ordinal numbers and remember how there's a bunch we missing? lost some yeah you're b- right i do there's the liturgical vortex it's like legos it's kind of like the first um uh chapter of the christmas reading the first verse that they lost um remalia <laughs> oh, yeah. and gideon or whatever um I, don't, I know that that yeah, was yeah, yeah, wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know that was wrong. Zebulun and Zebulun and Neftali. You're right. It, it, that's the liturgical vortex. It sucked that
1: verse away. Sucked it away. It's that you took our ordinary days. Dude, times is hard. All right. Well, regardless. So second Sunday, we're Isaiah chapter 49, verses 3, and then 5 through 6. So you know what we're going to talk about. Yep. Fal- verse four. So- <laughs> that's, a, that's the key. <laughs> to the link, you guys. Yeah. And then we're Psalm 40, verse Psalm 40. 2, 4,
0: 7, 8, 8, 9, 10. That's it. The
1: end. The end. And then we're into what? First Corinthians. First Corinthians. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I wanted you to keep wrapping that. First Corinthians, chapter 1. Uh, then we're in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 29 through 30. Four. Thirty-four. Well,
0: dude, I'm excited to um, talk about the origins of Isaiah another <laughs> time.
1: <laughs> I am feeling like a broken record on Isaiah. I know, dude. So, Crash Course on Isaiah. Oh, There's no, two dude. parts to Isaiah. <laughs> do the first half. Do it's called the. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I can't handle it anymore, oh, man. Really?
0: I can had handle Deutero Isaiah or anything. I mean, I guess that's where we are.
1: Yeah, technically. Technically, we're in. Po- Pope Benedict called it Deutero Isaiah, so we can call it that too. All right. It doesn't necessarily mean that there are multiple authors. That's just the common parlance for this part of Isaiah.
0: It's kind of like chapter numbers and verses. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's. The d- d- chapter numbers and
1: verses are n- divinely inspired. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? They're not <laughs> divinely inspired. That's right. Okay. All right, so what we're dealing with, so last week, it, does it was it already last week? It feels like it was a long time ago that we had the podcast. Yeah, dude, it was. Oh, because we didn't do it last week. We did it like the week before because we were at the conference.
0: Oh uh, Yeah, that's right. You guys
1: don't care about that. Okay, so we are in one of the servant songs of Isaiah. So last time we did talk about a little bit about what are called the servant songs. There Will are- Will you be my servant? What's that servant song? Will you let me be your servant? Da, 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 ba, 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 ba. Right?
0: No, nah, dude, that wasn't the one I was going for. Oh. I guess there's a lot of
1: servant songs. I mean, I <laughs> yes. guess it's, that's kind of like Isaiah. It is like Isaiah with a lot of servant songs. Um, but here's what's <laughs> weird about the servant songs, though. <laughs>
0: what? I just think it's funny. You're it's, funny.
1: You're funny. Your face is funny. Thanks. But you're – no, it's not. It's lovely. Um, here's the thing, though. We have – so, you know, the Christians, we look at the servant songs and we're like, oh, my gosh, the Lord is going to show his servant and his glory and all these things that the servant is going to do. And we all think, oh, well, it's Jesus, of course. Yeah. But we do have to kind of put ourselves back in the shoes of the first readers of these things trying to figure out, okay, what did Israel think the servant was going to be? Because it, it's kind of confusing. If you go through all the servant songs that are scattered throughout this part of Isaiah – yeah. It's a little bit confusing because some of the servant songs seem to mention that he's going to be an individual. Some of the servant songs say that Israel itself is going to be the servant. Some of the songs say that this individual will be a servant to Israel. So who is it? Is it, is it the nation of Israel? Is it some prophet? Is it a guy who hasn't come yet? Who is the servant? And I mean, this is where it's hindsight's 2020. 20. We can look back and be like, oh, Jesus actually is the new Israel embodied. He is an individual. He is suffered. He's well, also glorified. He does all this stuff.
0: Yeah, but, but you, when the, sk- on the front you, end of it, you skipped a piece, though. I mean, like you to, skipped a piece. Skip your piece, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm, don't make me get my piece. All right. Okay, so this is the thing: is that a king embodies his people, and this is actually something that we are always uh, we're harping on: is that is that Jesus, always always Having have we ever mentioned it, it ever? <laughs> then, so that Please. I just I just wanted to say yeah. that. No, it's hey, somebody's, somebody's here. Somebody's at the door. <laughs> Who is it? Jesus knocks
1: at the door of our hearts. It's like an ad for Domino's. <laughs> Open the door. It's Domino's. <laughs> Your official sponsor of like you guys. No, they're not official at all. No, but, they're But not. they are I Catholic. Or they were, are once, they still? They once were. Pat, Tom Monaghan is. Dude, you can get free okay. Domino's
0: pizza. I can? Well, everybody can. You just say, hey, will you donate some Domino's pizza? And they, oh, have, yeah. a, they have a certain quote of Domino's pizza. Keenan does donate. it all the time. I know.
1: We get it up at camp a lot. I think you've partaken in our Domino's pizza, but can't before. I have Domino's Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, that, that's a really important point, though. The, this this ancient Jewish tradition that the king embodies, but also takes on the fate of his people. So there, there's a great story in Isaiah wow. about a guy named King Hezekiah. Do you remember the story?
0: Doesn't he st- stare at his belly button or something? <laughs> Is that Hezekiahism? <laughs> or no. Okay. No. No. I don't. Re- I don't get the job. No.
1: I, I'm thinking of something that's like totally not associated with anything. Okay. Neville gazing. Yeah. Uh, Hezekiah, though, he was the king of Israel when. Um, so he just watched the nation of Assyria be destroyed by um, the Assyrians. What did I just say? The sorry, the Northern Kingdom. <laughs> Hold on. Did, did, did you just say that the the, <laughs> the the kingdom of Assyrians were destroyed by the Assyrians? A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. No. The. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the proper use, though. Yes, yeah, so was no. So he watched the Northern Kingdom, right? Their their brethren be killed by Assyria, and Hezekiah was this kind of. He was a, he was a, he was an okay king, um, and he was trying to do the right thing. And he was at this point where he was. Wat- no, he was he was actually pretty good, but he was watching the nation of Assyria come and start to bat bat batten down the doors.
0: Batten down? Bang down. Uh, b- battle down. battle the, In battle the doors. Of, uh, I know what you're saying. Battleship. Yeah, um, they know what, the, they know okay.
1: what you mean. They were, they were attacking. <laughs> <laughs> they're attacking the southern kingdom, Jerusalem. And here's the thing. As the battle gets worse and as Assyria starts to knock down the walls and people start getting killed, the king, King Hezekiah, actually gets very ill. And the worse the battle gets and the more Israel starts to lose, yeah. the more and more ill the king gets until he gets just at the foot of death. Just as the nation is about to fall, there's a miraculous intervention, and because of a miracle that God provides, Assyria backs. <laughs> are you okay? Yeah, yeah. Assyria backs out and they withdraw, and so as Assyria withdraws, guess what happens to King Hezekiah? He gets better. He regains his health and he's healthy again. So he is literally embodying in his body what's happening to the nation of Israel. That's where Isaiah comes in and says, mm-hmm. "Hey." Don't get too excited, because after a while, your illness is going to come back. Just like after a while, another nation is going to come in, called Babylon, and they're going to finish the job. So he actually does embody the whole history of his people. So it's one example of this belief that the king really does embody his people, which is why Jesus can go out to the wilderness for 40 days Mm -hmm. and struggle with the same temptations and testing that Israel struggled with in the exodus being temp, you know, trying to test God, make themselves God for food and drink and all these things and be successful precisely where Israel was unsuccessful in the 40 year wandering because he embodies his people. And so if he as king is faithful, then Israel has been victorious. So he's doing all these things. But again, we're on the front end of this and we're saying, okay, there's the servant who's going to do all this stuff. Actually, one of the things that's interesting in this particular passage, here's how it begins. The Lord said to me, this is Isaiah 49, three, the Lord said to me, you are my servant, Israel. Through whom I show my glory. So you're thinking, okay, the servant is Israel. But then it goes on and says, now the Lord has spoken, who has formed me uh, as his servant from the womb, that Jacob may be brought back to him and Israel gathered to him, and I am made glorious in the sight of the Lord. God is now my strength. It is too little, the Lord says, for you to be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob to restore the survivors of Israel. I will make you a light to all the nations, that is, my sal- that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. So this is a funky one. Scholars have a field day because the first line of this particular servant song Mm -hmm. says, You are my servant Israel, and I'll show my glory to you. But then it says, actually, you're going to be the one who shows glory to Israel and the tribes of Jacob and the survivors of Israel. And so you're reading this, you're like, well, which one is it? Well, that line, though, did you catch this? It says, uh, He formed me as a servant from the womb. Mm. Do you know where else that line appears in the Old Testament?
0: Isn't it Jeremiah?
1: It's in Jeremiah. Yeah. So a lot of people think Jeremiah actually saw himself as the servant. He said, oh, I am this person. I'm the one who is called to to gather the remnant of Israel and be a light to the nations and do all these things, which in a certain sense he was called to do that. He is yes. a servant. He is not the final servant, yeah. but he is embodying this. But he got it. He understood this. He's like, I want to live this out myself.
0: Well, and then you then you are echoing this forward into the New Dimittas. Which is, you know, we, we finally actually see the light to the nations yeah. embodied in, in Christ, and so he is the new Talmudist
1: is the, the the song that Simeon sings when he holds the baby Jesus out of out of the Gospel of Luke. Yes, wow, I have a phone call. I wonder if it's Phil <laughs> telling <laughs> us that there's bears in the tree. Yeah,
0: dude. Uh, yeah, this is the thing is we came and there was like all these emergency service vehicles, um, and then like the wind is howling. I mean, like doors. How- Doors are rattling and
1: wolves are baying. Doorbells are
0: ringing. It's crazy, and uh, but there's like so much gas you can still smell it, even though we're we're talking like fifteen twenty. Did you mention hour there
1: hours. was a gas leak, or did you just say there was a bunch of gas that you could smell? <laughs>
0: there's a gas leak. That's there's what a bunch emer- of emergency vehicles. Yeah, yeah I, know, can, I guess I can guess can you can gas gas put the pieces cause, together. Cause, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we'll it, keep this rated G. Um, the um, so I whenever I read this particular servant song, mm. I am always like struck like. There's something inside of us that knows that we have a particular mission. And the particular mission is that um, it's not enough for us to just serve the Lord. We're actually meant to be a light. And so when Jesus is is in that moment when he says, you will be a light, uh, you can't put it under a bushel basket— but that you will be salt, and so like I take this, and it's very very special to me. Why are you laughing at because me? Because you
1: burped on the. <laughs> did you? The did mic- I? Did I burp in the microphone? And yeah, you just made fun of me for burping in the microphone. I we're d- a mess today, you guys. <laughs> no, <laughs> Back no. in town, we have our regular podcast. And now we're disasters. It's a disaster. No, it's good. That's okay. Please. Continue. Okay, that's that's. Um, no, you're totally right. So.
0: I was just giving a spiritual explanation of the depths of my heart, and I'm really happy that you affirmed my correctness in exposing my heart to the the listening audience. You're correct. You (laughs) are meant to be a light to the nations, Father Peter. It's true. You are. And, and, and it's, it's cool to get it, but it's always kind of scary to be like, dude, you have to be more than what you are and, and not just have it be a shame moment, but that it actually to have it have, have it to be a call to be great, which is, which is so hard. I mean, that's like, we, we get inspired when we know that we can be more. But, and that's where it's so tricky with the th- shame thing. It's like, I know that I'm supposed to be more, but then you just say like, well, I suck. I should, yeah. you know, and that's, that's really where I think this is beautiful. We are more when we attach to Christ, who is the true servant. Yeah, absolutely. Who wins the victory and, and is formed in the womb and yep. is the servant and yep. we can be the servants. And, and well, then there's a lot of service.
1: And that's huge because that takes us into the Psalm. I think, I think it's a good segue. So Psalm 40, the response is, here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. Yeah. <laughs> I am. <laughs> why was that funny? I don't know why. I just, because I'm giggly. I was just trying to be affirmative to, to you. No, you. it's true. You're right.
0: I see, a, I see you as a beautiful man.
1: Thank you. With lots of smarts and stuff. <laughs> beautiful. Inside and out.
0: You're very special.
1: All right. So here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. I have waited, waited for the Lord. He stooped down and heard my cry. He put a new song into my mouth, a hymn to our God. Um, so I'm reading this. Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. I'm thinking about this servant song. I'm seeing myself as, as Jeremiah, say, who is, you know, comes just after, tail end of Isaiah's life. He's, he's, he comes next. He's reading these words. And he's thinking to himself, here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. Is this about me? Is this what I need to take up? Yeah. We're seeing it then fulfill, And the Lord says, yeah, partially. You are to be a partial fulfillment of this. I'm seeing it played out in Jesus who says, here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. You know, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will but yours be done. He puts the Father's will first, and if the king is the embodiment of his people, if the king represents his people, yeah. the brilliance of Jesus' kingship is that that kingship can also be embodied in us, should we unite ourselves. So because Jesus came to do the will of the Father and be the servant, if we, we actually have the authority to pray this prayer, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will, and we can be little servants because we are united to the servant. So, because Jesus embodies us, we, he can be, because we, (laughs) because he embodies his people, who is us, we can actually live as his representatives as well, as representatives of the king, these little icons of the king who is, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Is this making sense? Yeah, yeah. Take it. it. Take it, it, it,
0: Father. It's rocking, is what it is. (laughs) I I mean, you, 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 it's a funny thing because, um, We are only meant to take up what we can take up. I mean, Jesus, as a servant, I can't go and win the battle in the desert without him. Right. I have to actually attach myself to him and let him embody me. Right. And it's only in that communion that then we are actually able to have that that thing. It's like, here I am, Lord. I present myself to you. I humble myself. I come to do your will. And it's only in that presentation of self to the Lord that we then are then bestowed with the mission that we're supposed to have, and so exactly. it's the, uh, Otherwise, I can just get into this pride thing and make it happen, and I can just muscle my way through to to be what I think I'm supposed to be, rather than it, it's moralism at its finest. Moralism yes. is a command without grace. Yes, and that's where we're saying, no, no, no. Here I am, Lord. I'm presenting myself to you. Hey, I, hand me the tool, Lord. I'll I'll fix the thing. It's like that's what, and He says, yes, go. That is what you're meant to do, and I think Absolutely. that's. That's what's so, um, that's what's awesome. And when we get mission, it's it's out of communion. Yeah, absolutely. Out of his embodying us.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that was what I was trying to say, but I don't know if I was saying it or not.
0: Well, I just said it in another way.
1: Thanks. It's, it's
0: kind of, yeah, you said it good. I said it good too.
1: Yeah, you did. So speaking of the moralism, that's a great segue into 1 Corinthians then. Yes. So here's why. Okay. 1 Corinthians, we're getting... The very first lines of of Paul Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Which which, I, which, I
0: was like, I was like, dude, why did you in the liturgical vast liturgical assembly give me this? This, <laughs> this is a what he got. I was like, I mean, yeah. I can, I can do a lot, but it's like always is, the verses just past this one.
1: Yeah, it is. Th- this is a strange one, ex- well, maybe it's not if we read it, if we read it rightly. So okay, to to, to catch ourselves up on what's going on in Corinth. Corinth is probably one of the most decadent, sin filled. Um, hedonistic cultures Sports obsessed Sports obsessed Philosopher obsessed Floss what? Philosopher Oh phlo- <laughs> in floss. They said floss They are obsessed with dental floss They love dental hygiene Here's the thing about Corinth They do They love wax floss um, But here's the thing about Corinth They're obsessed with sports They're obsessed with politics I mean with uh, philosophy but um, and they're obsessed with their own status, with how great they are. But
0: aren't they like a bunch of new money too? They're not old money. Well,
1: that's why everybody kinds of hates them. So they're uh, they're always second fiddle. They're always trying to make themselves be the greatest, but they're always second fiddle. They they have those neighbors up the street in Athens, and oh, the Athenians yeah. host the Olympics. Corinth hosts the biannual Isthmus Games, which was the second largest sporting event on Earth, but you've probably never heard of it because it was always overshadowed by the Olympics up the street by the other guys there was tons of philosophers or want to be philosophers in Corinth but you've probably never heard of them because up in Athens was where Socrates and Plato and Aristotle all hung out so they're all and there are new money they're not the bourgeois they're kind of a lot of them are freed slaves that have kind of taken up new new jobs there's a lot of people fresh off boats it's a major port city Um, there's a lot of sexual decadence because of that they're immoral but they're always they're, they're basically Paul's going to use the letter to the Corinthians to say, "You guys think you are the best thing that's ever existed, but you're not." Wait, and he, and and he, he's he's he does use, that in
0: these first lines where he's he's like, yes. "I mean, he really kind of butters him up and then
1: slams." He absolutely them. does. Yeah, he says you're not. Well, he says you're not what you think you are. You're you're not wise. You're not the bourgeois class that you think you are. You're not anything. But. This is why the cross, of, the cross of Jesus Christ is irony to the world. It's foolishness to the rest of the world. Because God chose what is foolish in the world, namely you guys. Mm-hmm. God chose what is lowly in the world, namely you guys. God chose, chose what is low and despised and everything else, namely you, to show that he is glorious. And if he can actually work through the likes of you guys, then imagine what else he can do. But their problem is that, in part, they're, they're, well, their heads are big for one thing. They're, they're puffed up by how great they think they are. But the other problem that we run across in the very first chapter of the book is that they're, they're, they're sort of a personality cult. And if you read on in chapter one, one of the things they keep doing is that some of them are saying, well, I'm a better Christian because I had the gospel preached to me by Paul right so I'm a better Christian because no no I'm a, I'm a follower of Peter I'm a better Christian because I'm a follower of Apollos right and we we kind of see this in our day and age well I'm a, I'm a Pope Benedict Christian I'm a Pope Benedict Catholic no no dude I'm a new school Pope Francis Christian so I'm better and we're more faithful to the gospel no no I'm a John Paul II Catholic or you know I'm in this diocese so we're much better than you guys or no I'm a you know I'm a Bishop Aquila Catholic you know we, we have these kind of personality cults and Paul just slams him for it he's saying what are you doing you're not a follower of Paul don't be be a follower of Paul. Be a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Don't be a follower of Peter. Peter is the representation Don't of Jesus. Me. Don't mess with sorry, me, dude. man. I'm okay. sorry. I'm a I'm a Father Brady Catholic oh no no in the soul does that make sense though so that's that's their problem they're rallying yeah. around personnel and and some of them have the gall to say no no i'm a better christian because i'm i'm a, I'm a jesus christ christian so they're putting him in the same category as paul and apollos and Cephas and everybody else and he says that's ridiculous
0: well I, i'm looking right here and at the very last line verse three it says grace to you and yeah. peace from god our father which isn't that Isn't that a combination greeting of what Mm -hmm. you would say in Greek as well as what you would say in Hebrew?
1: So what you would say, this is an example of Paul baptizing the culture and being all things to all people. So he begins by saying, so the common greeting, um, if you were writing a Greek letter, would be uh, karie, which means greetings. He uses a derivative of the word karie and makes karis, which is grace. So grace to you, not just greeting. So he's taking what you would already be saying in a letter and he kind of baptizes it. But then he adds the word shalom in Hebrew, which is how a Hebrew, a Jewish person would address somebody. So he's taken the best of the Greek culture, the best of the Hebrew culture, and combined them to have this opening line, grace and peace be with you. And he does that in all of his letters, which is, it's, it's a really beautiful thing that he's doing.
0: Which in some ways is already, it's like breaking down this nationality barrier and yeah, saying, saying, you know, you may be, you may be a Greek, but you're also spiritually uh, Semitic. Yes, absolutely. So, and so he, so he, so it's even that, it's even on that level, even yeah. just by the way he's using that greeting in the
1: language. And look at what else he does. I'm actually going to read, so what we have at the, the, at the mass is the NAB, the New American Bible, which is fine. I'm going to read from the RSV. Okay. Because the one of the things the and the New American Bible, the goal of the New American Bible is to make the scriptures as accessible as possible to the to the broadest audience because this was going to be read in mass, so we want everyone to understand it. But it tweaks a little bit of the technical Greek that shows up in the original texts to make it understandable. So I think it's right to do that. But I also like to compare it to the RSV, which is more faithful to the Greek text, which kind of gives you more of the technical pieces. Yeah. And the NAB cleans it up. But here's the uncleaned up version. Let me okay. read these first three verses. Now that we prepared, I no. want to hear. Be ready. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ and, to our, brothers, and our brother Sosthenes. Sosthenes is probably his scribe who is probably delivering this letter to the church in Corinth. Uh, so Paul got by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, our brother Sothenes, To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what you have to do. Whenever you, you want to take apart pieces of scripture and understand them, one of the things that the Semitic mindset likes to do is repeat terms. Yeah. So what have we seen repeated more than... Once, uh, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. How many times?
0: One, two, three, four, in three verses.
1: Yeah. What is that? Right. One. Christ two, Jesus. Three. Four. Yeah, four times. Four times in three verses. Now, you're th- what's the Bible? Of course they're talking about Jesus Christ, but four times in three verses. Actually, in the next couple of verses, in the next nine verses, he's going to repeat it, repeat it ten times. Whoa. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. He's also repeated the word call. They are called, those who call on the name of the Lord, Who's who? those who are called to be with him. So called and Jesus Christ. Now, why is he doing those things? Well, number one, what we already discovered is that their problem in Corinth is personality cults. Mm. They're rallying around Paul and Apollos and Kephas and all these other people. Yeah. So Paul goes out of his way to repeat 10 times in nine verses the name Jesus Christ, because he's trying to say it's Jesus Christ alone, the servant of Isaiah, that is able to empower you to be who you were called to be. Then he repeats the word called because, again, they are called to be a certain thing, but they're also invited to call in the name of the Lord. It was what you were saying back in the psalm, right? We have, because Christ has embodied us, we now call upon his name. And so Paul is saying, if you want to be a Christian, you call on one name and one name alone. Oh. So this is why those first three opening verses are actually very profound in light of in light of what the rest of the scriptures are doing. Yeah. I know that was kind of a long-winded explanation, but... Terribly long-winded, but it was really good. <laughs> <I need church. laughs> Dude, church. no, that
0: was, that was phenomenal. I, I've, oh, I'm yeah. starting to see the thread. Are you? I'm starting to see the thread. Yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, I, we can't answer for anybody who's. Listening I'm asking right now. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, okay, it, it makes a lot of sense. Good enough to me. I was trying to answer. I was trying to embody
1: my people. <laughs> We're answering your answering your text messages.
0: No, I was I was studying. Oh, just now. Yeah, yeah. I was studying, oh, okay. and, and one of the words. Um, that I, 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 there's this, there's an online interlinear, which I've been enjoying. It's, it's, a uh, it's off of uh, scripture. The number four. To be all. diptized. Yeah. And, and to be put, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this one was, um, um, having been, uh, the ones having been hallowed. And he says, having been holyized. <laughs> <laughs> this is the same guy that came up with diptized. D- diptized, dude. Oh, I'm, I'm going to translate that in my baptism and be like, dope, dude. Man. Y'all been, y'all been diptized.
1: <laughs> because you're holy eyes. Now you're holy
0: eyes. Now you're holy eyes from the diptized. All right. Okay, gospel. One gospel. John.
1: John. Not one John, just John. John 1. one. Very different book. <laughs> Very different book. All right. I get a huge kick out of this passage. Tell Why, me. Scott? Because I think it's interesting. So here's the thing. Let, <laughs> I like that it. you just answered for me. Take a drink.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say to me? The drinking game? Oh, answer you my own answer my question. Well, I was asking you the question as you were asking the question. Oh, yeah. If, as if I was asking the question too. You take two drinks then <laughs> if I answer Father Peter's question. And at the same time that he asks the question, that I ask the question. Fair enough. Okay. If right. your
1: brain has not exploded, please continue listening. Thank you. So, verse twenty-nine, chapter one, verse twenty-nine. <laughs> so this is the very beginning. This is right after the the big prologue of the Gospel of John, right? And so uh, we're in the section called the Testimony of John the Baptist. Testimony. So he says, John the Baptist. Excuse me? John the Baptist. Jesus
0: coming toward him and said, Behold, on you's day. Behold the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sins of the world. He is the one of whom I am saying. And
1: said, a man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Okay, now that all... We're like, okay, John the Baptist points to Jesus like that's the lamb of God who's coming into the world. This is great. But then the next line is what throws you for a loop. A man is coming after
0: me who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me, which we already know from the beginning of Luke Mm -hmm. that John the Baptist preceded by three months. Yes, that's true.
1: But the next line is what throws you for a loop.
0: Oh, (laughs) I do not know him. But the reason why I came baptizing, diptizing with water (laughs) was that he might be made known to Israel. Now, wait a second. What did he just say after he existed before me? I did not know him. But the reason why I came back with water was that he might be known to Israel. Is that true?
1: No, because he just said he's the Lamb of God. He knows who he is. And he's his cousin, who he's known since he was born.
0: Yeah. He's I, known
1: since the womb, right? Yeah, dude. He, he started jumping up and down back then. So he says, I did not know him, which throws a lot of people off. Now, hold on to that for a second. I did not know him. But the reason why he came diptizing with water was that he might be made known to Israel. John testified further, saying, I saw the spirit come down like a dove from heaven and remain upon him. We heard that, like you said, that was explained in the Gospels. Remember, we heard that John's kind of summarizing what he presumes you already know about. Yeah. So I saw the dove from heaven come down and remain upon him. I did not know him. He says it again. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, and this is the best part, on whomever you see the spirit come down and remain, that's the one. Who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So basically, John's out there in the wilderness. He is, knows that he is called to be the voice, which is also a prophecy that comes from the book of Isaiah. There's going to be a voice crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way. So John knows it's his job to be out in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. Who is the Lord? John has no idea. He just knows that he is coming, and he's got this, this message from the Lord that, hey, so when you're out there, if you see somebody have the Holy Spirit descend upon them, that's the one. That's how you know. And so imagine being John the Baptist, and you're out there like, oh, there's my cousin, Jesus. which He's which, coming out. Which, dude, which obviously
0: John has already had a really, really serious experience with them when they're growing up. They're playing yeah, football or presumably. something. Yeah, presumably. And something happened because he's like no not you man he's like i'm not even worthy to untie your sandals bro right yeah because because <laughs> <'Cause laughs> that's it it's a bro. brother bro you, in greek, in, in, in greek it, w- it would say brother yeah like brother man he's like he's like, dude i know uh he's he but he but it, in some ways do you know that that's actually the game principle for like video games um use this whole thing where it's basically just a bunch of unwrapping of packages and that eventually you get something good. That's actually the whole principle behind like World of Warcraft is that it all it basically boils down to is really kind of nice graphical things where you are just unwrapping packages all the time hmm. and some packages are hard to get. And so in some sense, that's what he was trying to do. So he's baptizing everybody and he's yes. doing this out of this motivation, waiting for, and anticipating waiting for, for this the moment. And then when it ha- and then when he sees him coming, he probably starts, he like, he sees he's something wondering something, something put together. One? Yeah. But
1: imagine that moment when he sees the spirit come down, he's like, Oh, it's you. You're the one who I've actually been. I knew there was something special about you, but now he gets it. So when he keeps saying, I didn't know him, what he's saying is I didn't know who it was going to be. I knew my job and I knew I was to prepare. I knew I was to be, he sees himself in a certain sense as the servant of Isaiah as well, to be a light to the nation, to try to rebuild the tribes of Jacob. Yeah. And he's doing it in his very particular way. And then lo and behold, because of that call that he has received to do that. Yeah. He then sees the embodiment and he sees the moment in a certain sense when that embodiment of Jesus as our King is made manifest and he sees the Holy Spirit descend upon him. And then he actually gets to have the privilege of baptizing him, which as you pointed out in the podcast last week, that is the fundamental moment that Jesus transforms all of creation in a certain sense, because he enters into water, which is the one element that can reach all parts of the earth. Yeah. which he transforms at that moment. So he's witnessing Jesus now becoming the embodiment of what it means to be the king. And I just imagine how his mind just had to have been blown, being like, this is it, finally. I didn't know who it was going to be. I didn't know it was him, but now I know. And well, t- so now he's telling everybody, he's telling his disciples, he's like, that's the one, that's the Lamb of God, follow him.
0: Well, this is the thing is that he says Lamb of God. And if you look no. in the scriptures, there's no really like specific reference. No, there's it- no... Except, a good reason he should say that. No, no, except for unless you're totally immersed in the promises of Israel. Yeah. Specifically, God himself will provide a lamb to Abraham, mm. which is which is like really really like the lamb of the only place that you're really going to find that is that moment when Abraham or a- uh, Abram's. Abram. Abram sacrifices no. a ram. A- Abraham. Abraham, because he's got the name. Abraham rhymes with ram. Oh, nice. Abraham. Abram. Dude, that's gonna that's gonna be my like i always think that it's funny that heavy metal bands like take like scriptural path that's not really not funny actually that's really disturbing never mind <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say be like dude i'm gonna start a heavy metal band called Abraham. Abraham. what what what, what? And but like so here he is and like it's showing that John the Baptist is totally familiar with what the covenants of Israel really yes. are. Yes. And he's saying that's the Lamb of God. But but like which means it's a really advanced actually demonstration of oh what my he gosh, understands. It's ridiculous. Cause we know that Jesus is going to be sacrificed. That's the only way it's going to be sacrificed on the altar is yes. the
1: Lamb of God. Like what? It's ridiculous that he should be the one. Well, you know, I mean, it's only John's gospel that is the one who actually keeps calling Jesus the lamb. And, of course, he writes Revelation, which is where we see the one a lamb having been slain, you know, is what he sees in heaven. Standing slain, yeah. Standing slain. It's all John who's actually giving us that imagery, exclusively John. Man, so here it is at the very beginning, and it's kind of neat too because we just had the baptism of the Lord last week, and now we get in our gospel the guy who did the baptism recounting his account of the baptism of what <laughs> happened when he did this, which is kind of liturgically cool. And and what's in case you missed it, it's liturgically cool
0: because we last week was because last week was the baptism. The baptism of the now Lord. we get
1: a guy talking about hey this baptism that just happened, which my dad is writing
0: an icon of the baptism of the Lord right now. Really? Yeah. So he wants wow. to do a little scripture study. So we have to nice. help him. It's awesome. I just tell them to listen to the podcast. You, uh, but okay. So here we go. Here we go. Okay, Jesus, we got to put this thing back together because we're talking about embodiment. Yep. Like in in some sense, that's really the, this this huge moment. Is like, if we cling to the Lord, what do we end up as? We end up as the same thing that Jeremiah was called to be, yep. Isaiah, John the Baptist, Jesus, a light to the nations. That's too small for us merely just to be a prophet he actually wants to yeah. hold us up and demonstrate his glory through us. Yes. But what that involves is be joining ourselves to the lamb of god, to the sacrifice of god. Yeah. To the sacrifice and and but that but that actually implies the gift of the holy spirit and implies all of the rich things that the kingdom the king's embodies. It it actually implies the relationship with god entirely. Yes but it's not on our own it's not on our own power the only right. thing that we have the power to is submit ourselves to it it's humbly i'm going to approach you here i am lord exactly give me a mission give me a name send me out like how do you want me to sacrifice how do you want me to live for this because i'm i'm down i'm i'm up for it i'm down i'm down i'm up i'm down i'm up <laughs> i don't even am i up for it i'm down for it totally either or that's confusing <laughs> frankly thank you you're you're confusing frank i'm not no oh was i no. I've been confusing all day. No, you haven't been confusing. I've been confusing. No, I, I'm no. just enthusiastically talking and saying whatever comes into my mind the first
1: thing. Same here, man. No, you know what the other thing I keep thinking about as far as takeaway from this? I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but... Take me away. Take you away. Um, so Isaiah, or Jeremiah rather, read the servant songs of Isaiah... He's like, I'm the servant. I need, I'm the servant. I need to do this. This is what God is calling me to do. He does it. He was wrong. I mean, in a certain sense, he was right. He can do that, but he's not the servant. John the Baptist, I think, thinks he, he is called to be the servant. In a certain sense, he's right. Yeah, he does embody that in a certain way, but in a certain sense, he's wrong. It's Jesus who's actually called to do it. But you gotta love and you gotta appreciate the guts to be like, I'm doing it. I'm throwing myself into this. I want to embody what the Lord wants to do for His people. One yeah. is going to come who's going to do it even greater than they ever imagined. Yes. But until they saw that, they're like, I need to do it. I need to step up. And there's something just beautiful in that sense of we need to read these things and be inspired by these things, and not simply wait. Okay, well when is this servant going to show up? You know, when is God going to come and fix all this stuff? We need to actually step up up and be the icons of the king that we actually already are and go into the world and live that out not simply wait okay well eventually Jesus is going to come and he's going to obliterate all the bad guys and then we we'll won't <laughs> have to worry about this anymore
0: yeah yeah no
1: yeah maybe but we actually until then we have to step out and actually do that live the call as the scriptures have pointed to even if we're wrong, even if we're you know, we're we're not the embodiment of that and we know that. But we need to be more gutsy, I think, in the way that we live that and 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 answer that call and say that line of the psalm, Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. And join ourselves to the Lord. Yeah.
0: Dude. Yeah. May the king embody all of you. He already does. Oh, yeah. But may you join yourselves to the embodiment yeah. that Christ is. Now we got now it. Now we're feeling it. Dude, you guys, thanks for joining us today. That was really, dude, nice point. I'm actually super inspired by what you just said. I have to tell you, I am too. Like, I'm, I'm
1: rearing to go. Rearing to go, man. You guys too. So. Well, we appreciate it. Um, we'll be back next week, like we always are. We're not going anywhere. I'm going to. I'm going good to good, good leaders, good shepherds. You're going to good leaders, good shepherds. Where's that? The that, Springs. That's in the Springs. The Springs. So you'll be there, but we'll be here. I'll be here. Yeah, and uh, you'll be here, and you will send us an email. You're going to drive. You're going to drive to me. You want to oh. drive to me? You just join me down there, dude. I got to teach. That's okay. We'll I'm talk gonna, about it later. Okay. <laughs> um, but you guys be here. You can be here on Facebook by sending us a message or looking at our things. <laughs> you can send us an email. Yeah. You can. What else can you do? You, you can.
0: You can tweet. Uh, you can tweet us. You can tweet us nice. You can tweet about us. You could tweet about us. Tweet well, about us. Well, I, I, Hashtag I, Lanky Guys. The only thing that I have- Hashtag I, Fat Faces. <laughs> uh, hashtag, uh, no, hashtag or at Father Peter Mussett is where I have Lanky Guys on that. That just That's the only thing that is on my Twitter.
1: And we do, Lanky Guys is a part of the Aquinas Institute. Lanky Guys is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado.
0: You can join us can on, on, on January 31st. You can find Aquinas
1: Institute for Catholic Thought on Twitter. And you can join us for our big debate. A big debate on, uh, on January 31st. Tw- uh, <laughs> we do our annual Great Debate. We bring in great speakers to debate profound things. We're talking about the death penalty this year. Um, get your tickets early if you want a ticket. Go to thomascenter.org. And to it's death them. penalty, not death penalty. What did I say? You said death penalty. But if you couldn't hear me very well, maybe you need to join the death penalty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just thinking about like the hip-hop rappers when they were like, Oh, hey, death jam. That's
1: death. Dude, death. Okay, I, we've gone away too long. Goodbye. Enough. Goodbye. We love you. See you next week. Yep. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at See you next week.